All right, so I I have to say, guys, I do thoroughly enjoy that there's a lot of people who have been waiting for this podcast for a few days now, and they have to wait through uh, ska music uh, that that most of the uh, listenership hates. Do you guys enjoy that? Is that just me? This is why people don't like me, right? I've never heard the intro. You've never heard it? It's just you, and this is why people hate you. Yeah. I mean, some people. Some people really like me. You love me. You told me you love me. Anyways, people don't care about that. What they really want to know about is Florida State's upcoming contest against Alabama State, right? No? All right. So it's been a while since we've had the podcast, and we want to get into all the coaching stuff that we know as we're, we are recording this. On Oh, I should introduce all of us, right? Uh, this is Brendan Sinone, Chris Need, Josh Newberg joining me for On the Bench. Uh, we're going to have a special guest coming up at the uh, after the break, Andy Staples from The Athletic. Is currently planned to come on and join us and, and talk about some of the intricacies of a coaching search because he's covered that very extensively through uh, at a national level for a while. But uh, we want to get to get to all these rumors and uh, reports and try to kind of decipher what we know, what we don't know uh, with Bob Stoops, with Florida State, with the coaching search in general. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. We're going to try to make this as buttoned up and uh, kind of straight and narrow as possible. Chris, I'm going to ask you for you to do your uh, your recap, your kneecap, if you will, uh, for, for what we know right now about FSU and, and the Bob Stoops situation. Maybe taking us back to what we reported with our insider report a day and a half ago. I mean, the main thing is that FSU is being ultra aggressive and that Bob Stoops, who's been top candidate since we entered into his foray, remains the top candidate. We believe it's progressing to the point where FSU is working towards trying to generate an answer one way or the other from Bob Stoops to figure out if they have a shot of hiring them or if they're going to have to move on and continue to vet and then you know pursue other candidates. We believe they're already in the process of vetting and pursuing, not necessarily pursuing, but definitely vetting and getting yeah. a feel for the other candidates in the pool. A lot of those are familiar names, up-and-comers, guys like James Franklin can be thrown in there, as well as some coordinator types. But really, the search still remains centered on Bob Stoops. Some of that is he's a guy that can be hired now as compared to the others who you'll have to wait till the end of November, if not beyond, to hire because they have jobs they're currently doing at other institutions and they're not going to leave in the middle of the season. They may leave before bowl game, for example. So that's the quick recap. And I know right. we're going to talk about it more, so I don't want people thinking, oh, that's all, everything I already you know. We're <laughs> no, no, we're, go further we're, in depth. We are talking about this is a coaching search centric podcast. There are a couple other things we want to get to. Uh, but and then we'll have Andy Staples on. But, yeah, this is going to be coaching search centric. Do you think this podcast sees a light of day? Like what are the odds that we have to stop recording it <laughs> to to handle breaking news here on, on Thursday morning, late Thursday morning? I don't believe we live the seminal headlines curse like those guys do. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, once again, Twitter went crazy with rumors on Wednesday evening. Uh, I know I went to bed with my phone volume up as loud as it could be just in case. Uh, Josh, you said you slept easy though last night, right? Yeah, I uh, I went to bed around 10 p.m. I had no expectations that this thing was going to go down last night. Um, of course, I had a couple panicked missed phone calls from some friends and you know people that were out on Twitter late asking me, you know, it's done. They're being told it's done. It's done. It's done. So for like the um, seventh time. But I woke up this morning. Um, got got good confirmation that this thing's not done. Just what Chris said, working towards a a realization of whether it is or isn't going to be Bob. But any any calls that this thing is done are premature. 
right. One of you guys is fidgeting. Stop fidgeting, whoever it is. I see Chris with a piece of paper in his hand. Stop that. It sounds awful. All right. Distract me. Don't flick me off. Hey, hey, be engaged. Be with me. Be present, baby. So we think this is still continuing, but fair to say, so we've already kind of went over what we know, uh, what we think. We think this is coming to a head one way or the other, correct, guys? Like that we probably won't go into – it's highly unlikely. I should say it this way. It's highly unlikely that we go through this weekend into mm-hmm. next week with Bob Stoops still being on the table and something that we're still talking about. Is that is that fair? Well, I think Stoops is always going to be on the table until a hire is made. But I think that FSU is getting to the point where they have to see if it will be Stoops or if they need to move on to the others and pursue the others and maybe circle back to Stoops, but it's hot and heavy with Stoops now. I don't think that continues beyond, you know, the next few days into next week. I think as FSU approaches the Thanksgiving holiday and the conclusion with Florida, that they're in that territory where they have to make a hire. They want one within a month from the firing of Willie Taggart, according to the search agency. And then we've also heard David Coburn say to hope is by the end of the month, so we're in that window. But we had always heard 10 to 14 days at the initial outset. I believe that was for Stoops. He's always been candidate A for them. We're currently on day 11 or 12. So we're right in that in the midst of that schedule and timeline. Uh, do we want to talk about what we did yesterday, Chris? Sure. Yes. <laughs> I want to hear it. <laughs> we, we sat stationary in a car for roughly five hours at a small airport in Tallahassee looking for a 70-some-year-old <laughs> man hopping on a plane, potentially heading towards the great state of Texas. Anytime an old white guy came out of the car, we all started freaking out. Is that him? Is that him? At one point, I was sent in to go follow the guy in the bathroom in a recon mission. It, it was not, not. Not follow him into the bathroom. You well, he was in the bathroom. bathroom to, well, he was you, in the bathroom. You freelance there, buddy. We didn't tell you to do that. Whatever. Don't become that guy. <laughs> but but why, Chris, were we there? Like, let, well, let's, what was, why were we hanging out at the airport for five hours? There was a belief that John Thrasher, as well as potentially others, were taking a trip to head out to meet with Bob Stoops and his representatives face-to-face to, to work towards a conclusion of this. Now, that may have happened, even though we did not see it happen yesterday. And the main plane that we were chasing it never landed in Tallahassee. It never left Tallahassee. It was on schedule to go from Tallahassee to Dallas, but it didn't go that way. There were multiple flights on the docket, and the flight to Tallahassee was not one that occurred. So that that's sort of what we were watching. But we were there, you know, from after the 11 a.m. hour to about 3:30 in the afternoon. Josh, what do you make of all that that wasted time? Uh, I thought it was great. I loved <laughs> it. I was able to check in and hear how irritated you guys were. But I thought it was, you know, look, we're covering a a coaching search right now. These are kind of the things that you do. And we are also in um, kind of a news cycle where things come in a flurry and then there's nothing for for long stretches of time. So it's not like we don't have player availability this week. It's not like you guys are out of practices. So, hey, if you spend a couple hours at a uh, airport, so be it. We had time to kill. Uh, all right. So in the category of, of what we think, what we know, in the no category, mm-hmm. K-N-O-W, uh, we know that the finances uh, are legitimate, that like Florida State is here to play big boy football and is committed to it. I think that's been the one encouraging aspect of the coaching search so far is the consistent theme that I think all three of us are getting when we talk to sourcing is that Florida State is willing to pay 
uh, not just uh, you know, a sizable contract for a guy like Bob Stoops, but also uh, if they were to get someone with that level of cachet, meet other financial uh, financial aspects as well, as, such as a, a big-time coaching staff, uh, having a deep support staff, uh, making assurances with facilities and upgrades that they're done in a timely fashion. Uh, those are some of the things that, that I think we're all pretty confident in that Florida State's willing to do. That's encouraging. I know Jeff Cameron on his show yesterday – uh, discussed he threw out the two million dollar or two hundred million dollar number in total and people kind of took it and ran with it as like pure hundred percent fact uh jeff is just more saying than that for the context like that that's what we're looking at possibly in that florida state is not going to scoff at that number it doesn't sound like I, I think that was the takeaway that 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 i got from listening to his show and it reflected very much so what we're hearing florida state's in the business of a big boy football right now uh fair 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 or not guys Correct. He, and I think his illustration was to say, that's what it would take. And if it takes that much, I think he was teetering on saying that he believes the FSU administration boosters would be able to reach that level if everything else could be agreed upon. Um, but I mean, I got to go back and listen, but I, I actually did listen to Cameron's show, which is funny because I haven't listened to Cameron's show in like six years. And I wanted to listen. So I watched it on his Facebook live yesterday and I actually heard the whole 200 million conversation. I, I listened to it through the break. I didn't think that he was saying that FSU has raised 200, $200 million. Yeah. His point was a hypothetical. It's that over the next X amount of years, FSU will need $200 million to operate their program. Right. When you take in account of all things, that's hiring a new coach at a massive amount of money, you know, upwards of 50 plus million dollars and facilities specifically to football ops facility. That's another big price take 40 to 60 million additional dollars raised type deal. Then dismissing the former staff and paying them off, hiring new staff, hiring shadow staff and other small trinkets that come with the football program that you have to pay for along the way. So his point was more that it's a cost of $200 million over X amount of years, you know, six, eight, 10 years. I think they use uh, 10 years to say about 20 million per on average. And, uh, you know, it, it's a fair point. But I think the bigger point is FSU to be in the ballpark of trying to hire someone of Bob Stoops stature, a guy who has all the leverage in this situation. You have to show that you're financially invested at multiple levels. That's in paying him and paying for his staff and paying for facilities and keeping up with the arms race and the big boys of college football. And I think the point is that, yes, FSU has reached a conclusion of, we have to do this. They have to do it for the community. They have to do it for local businesses. They have to do it for the university. All of those things, football is their cash cow, and they feed off of it. Did you say trinket? Trinkets, yes. I use trinkets. All right. What we know, what we think. Uh, do we know or think that President Thrasher, we, we definitely know he did not leave uh, that little airport in Tallahassee between the noon and 4 o'clock. Uh, time frame. Uh, we, we do know that. Do we think he made his way to Texas? That was a rumor yesterday. Uh, Josh, I'll throw this to you. Think, no, where's the stand for, for Thrasher making his way to Texas to talk to Bob Stoops? Yeah, I heard, you know, yesterday was uh, another one of those days where rumors peaked and we got to the point where people were again reporting done deal. Things have been confirmed, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I reached out, I did some digging and I actually found something su substantial. So here's what I, what I found, um, plans are slash were in place travel plans, um, for air travel, 
uh, ground travel and hotel. And they're to the point where they're not it, enacted yet. In place, for, in place for who, Josh, just to clarify. For the her. FSU administration to fly yeah. into the Dallas area is what I was told. And the hotel where the meeting is, will, possibly, whatever, however you want to say it, take place is expected to be in Arlington or possibly Fort Worth. But I was told Arlington. Um, and these plans have kind of been at the ready since I was told like early Wednesday and it's kind of on call until Friday. So that's why I'm confident a deal was not done because I was told even as early as this morning that, you know, those plans were not executed. So it's kind of a holding pattern right there. But it tells me two things. One, that we are close, that things are happening. And two, that no, a deal has not been done, regardless of, you know, what what we're hearing outside. Even while recording this podcast, I've had someone message me, the ink is dry, but this isn't confirmed. This is just what we're dealing with throughout the last um, the week and change. But in the last 24 hours is constantly keeps going back to people saying mm-hmm. it's done. But then you have the information that Josh just had. I was told today, right before we started the podcast by someone I trust heavily is is with the time frame this fits into what Josh just discussed with the Wednesday through Friday possibility of FSU sending out important people, uh, power brokers, if you will, to to the Dallas, uh, Fort Worth, uh, Arlington area, um, mm-hmm. that they, this person believes that this is coming to a head by Friday. It's Thursday now, it's recording this. So it would basically say that the timetable to kind of stoop or get off the pot, if you will, is is kind of coming to a head here, that this probably doesn't go into uh, the weekend is still negotiating. Uh, they think that, that this kind of ends. Now, as Chris said earlier, I don't know if that means that we get confirmation that it's done, but I think Florida State starts confidently moving on if they don't get the answer they want from Stoops in the near future. That's that's a think, but but I'm confident that that's kind of where where we're at right now with this timeline. Um, all right, any other thoughts on Bob Stoops right now in this before we can move on to some of the other coaching uh, information? Yeah, one other thing that I've kind of constantly been hearing and feel confident enough to come on the air and say today is that um, I've spoken to multiple sources close to Mark Stoops, the younger brother of Bob, who's currently at Kentucky. And I can tell you that that Mark has been adamant through multiple sources that Bob is not interested, nor does he think he's taking the job. Um it's been one of the reasons why I've been pumping the brakes. It's not the only reason that I'm pumping the brakes. And, you know, I think a couple things could be in play here, but I do think that I've been told by enough people that I trust that have, you know, spoken to Mark and been involved and listened to him and, and that he feels that his brother is not taking this job. And it's people that I trust that I, I have no reason to believe he would lie to, uh, to the people involved. So I think that's noteworthy. I'm not saying that's the end all be all. It's not a smoking gun, but it is one of the pieces to the puzzle that I think is worth sharing on the pod. Yeah, and I heard that, and I hear you've been talking about that, Josh. I heard the exact same thing. This is something you've been kind of trying to vet for a couple of days now. I heard the exact same thing from someone completely different say the exact same thing that you did with with Mark. It's interesting. Uh, And today there is a report out of our Kentucky site that Mark's telling um, Kentucky recruits that he's not leaving for the Kentucky job. And I, I don't see any problem with that because I can also confirm that Mark has not been contacted by Florida State. So for him to go out and tell recruits right now that he's remaining at Kentucky would be is fully truthful. So um, 
don't look too far into that. It, you know, it doesn't mean what you think it means, but it also, you know, it, it doesn't mean anything. There's a, I mean, it means something, but just what you said, take it at mm-hmm. face value that that's what Mark is relaying. And that's what his brother, or he believes his brother is what place his brother is in right now with the negotiations, thinking that it's not a realistic thing. That doesn't mean though, that that's hundred percent truthful. Maybe right. Bob's keeping it close to the vest. Maybe this is totally accurate. And Bob's told him, no, no, I'm not doing it. You know, maybe, Mark is just reading into it. Like there's whatever yeah. it is. Like it is I said, like I told you, it could be three scenarios. One, Mark's being honest and he's telling the truth. Bob's not taking a job Two, Mark is lying to these people that I'm talking to. And you know, he, he, Bob is taking the job or three, he's reading his brother wrong. I think the least likely of those three scenarios is that Bob, that Mark is out and out lying to people. He, I don't, I don't believe that, especially not the people I'm talking to. So it comes down to is Mark reading his brother wrong or, is he right? Yeah. And that will transition us to the next topic, which is, and both of you have touched on this already. We're going to expand on it here. The, uh, the plan B's, I guess, if you, if you will, if we are totally confident, which we are that, that Bob Stoops has been the sole focus or the not sole focus, sorry, the primary focus, the top choice of uh, the creme de la creme for Florida state this is who they want. Uh, if that doesn't materialize in the next couple of days here, what are the other options? You mentioned Mark Stoops. We don't think that Mark is currently being contacted by Florida State, which is a very complicated situation. Uh, you need to vet to, to have a brother, you know, two brothers in, in the same pool. Uh, and if one's your top candidate, you got to kind of vet that through. We do know that Mark would be interested, though, right? If Florida State kept, comes calling, that he would he would certainly entertain that. I've been told that on good authority. Yes. Okay, I I have as well. Um, other names. All right. Let's see. Let's see. Other names. Uh, James Franklin is one that that I just kind of keep throwing out there because uh, he meets the level of cachet that Florida State uh, would want in a head coach. He is a proven power five head coach winning at Vanderbilt and then at a higher level at Penn State knows how to operate a big time program. If Florida State is indeed throwing around the money that we believe Florida State is and, and are confident with, uh, I think you could attract James Franklin. Uh, anything with that, guys, before I move on to the next name? Nah, I'm good. Okay. All right. Matt Campbell, Iowa State. Uh, another name that kind of keeps popping up. This one we keep hearing about more than than James Franklin and uh, anything on, on Matt Campbell from either of you. Uh, yeah, I've I've talked to some people um, that know him and, and his staff familiar with with Matt Campbell that say he would be interested if the search went in his direction. Um, I can confirm he hasn't been directly contacted. Of course, that doesn't mean his agent hasn't. But I can confirm he doesn't um, spoke to somebody this week that told me they spoke with a couple coaches on his staff and they definitely know the FSU jobs open. Um, they're aware of it, you know, so we'll see what happens with that. But I think I think Matt Campbell is kind of that is is more in the middle than some of these candidates. You know, like I put I put Fleck on on one end of the spectrum and I put maybe like a Dave Clawson on the other in terms of like excitement, risk and all that compared to a more conservative hire of the Dave Clawson. And I think, you know, talking to people, I think Matt Campbell's somewhere in the middle. And if it, if it gets beyond stoops, Matt Campbell might be the coach that I, that I think FSU ends up with. Yeah. The only thing I'd add is in talking to people about coaches and just getting a feel for some of these guys that we may have to cover their candidacy. Um, Campbell is a guy that people consistently speak highly of. They say that he's done a good job at multiple programs He's very comfortable at kind of having a plan, executing it, going about it, doing a good job. He's a good game day coach. 
He knows what a football player looks like. He knows how to construct a team and the image he wants it to be in. So he's definitely a guy that's got, while he's still fairly young, he's got a heck of a lot of experience as a head coach. He's done it to a pretty high level. I mean, he's been successful at Iowa State, which among the Big 12 is easily one of the most difficult programs to have kind of consistent year-over-year success. And he's done that now for two years, and he's making the effort of doing it again this year for three consecutive years. All right, Josh mentioned Fleck. That's P.J. Fleck from Minnesota. Um, I'm going to share with you guys that that I was told by someone I, I trust as, as a damn good source that P.J. Fleck would have a lot of interest in this Florida State job, would, would probably uh, would probably take it if it, it was offered. Um, and that, that contract extension that's been talked about has not been signed yet. It's probably not going to get signed until the middle, middle of December. Uh, so he's someone who – you know, maybe a very viable candidate for Florida State. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on P.J. Fleck right now? Do you have anything to add to that? No? All right. I take no, the silence. No, I'm sorry. I okay. had my mic muted. I know okay. a couple of people that are close with P.J. Fleck, um, and he's gone dark on them since about before the Penn State game. But prior to that, um, he he <clears throat> he did express interest in the job after it was opened. But I can also confirm he hasn't been contacted. <clears throat> but I, I don't know about his agent or anything. But him directly, um, I don't believe he's been contacted directly. But I think he'd be a, a big-time name of interest if it moves beyond Stoops. Keep coughing into the microphone. That's great for the people listening. That's why I've had my, my mic muted. Oh, oh, you're all right. You know what? All that smoking's catching up to you. One one other thing on Fleck, because I've seen this before, people kind of wondering, like, geographically, he's winning at Minnesota. He was at Western Michigan before. Like, is he a good fit mm-hmm. for for Florida State's recruiting footprint. All right, this is 2018 class, which was ranked 38th nationally, which at Minnesota is pretty darn good. Uh, some of his top guys, his three top guys, Curtis Dunlap from Bradenton IMG Academy, uh, Daniel Falili? Falele. Falele. Daniel Falele. He was at IMG. He was like six foot eight, 380 pounds. This is 400 on our, on our profile. He's a big boy. Uh, but so top two guys from Bradenton IMG Academy. Uh, Rashad Bateman, who's apparently doing some really good things there from Tifton. He's a badass from South Georgia, yeah. From Tifton. Bateman was a hell of a good player. A lot of schools in the Southeast liked him, didn't love him, and Minnesota came in and just plucked him out. Yep, so uh, you're talking about guys that, you know, in, in the Tampa area uh, and at, you know, one of the, the biggest powerhouses in, in high school football or prep football, I should say, with IMG Academy. And then, uh, and then you know, South uh, Georgia tie going down the list, too. Uh, Nolan Edmonds from Alpharetta, Georgia. Uh, Terrell Smith from Snellville, Georgia. Let's see. Bryce Williams from Sarasota, Florida. Or, did I say Florida for Snellville? Snellville, Georgia. Jesus, Brandon. No, I got, <laughs> I'm I got, sorry. Here's, here's what I got on, on Fleck as a recruiter. I think he would do a great job. I've known P.J. Fleck since he was an assistant at Rutgers. He recruited the kind of the Miami side. Chris Hewitt uh, recruited the Tampa side of the state for for Rutgers and um, Fleck was always known as a great recruiter down there, a guy that could evaluate. He had a great personality as well. Obviously he's moved up the ranks since then. Um, Fleck's hire though. I talked to a lot of people. They kind of, he's the closest hire that would be like the next Willie could be the potentially the next Willie Taggart. He brings a lot of energy. They say he relates to the kids. He's got all these mottos and sayings. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to coaches in the industry that tell me this, as long as Flex winning, they think he would do a good job recruiting at Florida State. They think, though, that if Florida State's not winning and it doesn't look pretty, all of his antics look very corny. 
in the eyes of the, the recruits in the South, and it could backfire. So there's risk, there's reward, but I, I don't think anybody you know thinks that Fleck is the safest pick. I think there's a lot of ceiling there, but there's also a lot of risk. And we saw what happened when someone in that similar mold with Willie, when you don't win, what the recruiting class can can look like. Um, yeah, five guys from Florida, five from Georgia in that 2018 class. So he can recruit this this region. All right, going down some other names here. Dave Clawson. I haven't heard much on Dave Clawson from Wake Forest. You guys know I like him. I know he wouldn't be the, the sexiest hire, but uh, I don't have a whole lot to add on Clawson. You guys? Haven't heard a whole lot, but like you, I, I agree he checks a lot of the boxes. Yeah, yeah, seems and like could a, be safe, a safer hire, a high, a high uh, floor guy, if you will. Uh, Mike Norvell from Memphis, I know, is a name that a lot of people are interested about. He's, uh, you know, wins at Memphis, not necessarily always the easiest thing to do. Uh, they score a lot of points. I've heard about a bunch of red flags with Mike Norvell. I think that makes it difficult for Florida State to truly vet him. Uh, what do you got? Like, what do you got on that, guys? Chris, Josh, anything? I think he's going to be hot and heavy in the Arkansas deal. He almost got that job last time around, if I recall correctly, when Chad Morris was hired. So it wouldn't shock me if Arkansas circles back on him and tries to pursue. Obviously, there's going to be other names in the Arkansas hunt. Mike Leach is one we've heard for that one. So there's a lot there. But I think Norvell more likely is a guy that could end up at an Arkansas than an FSU. And we, uh, we're going to have Andy Staples on a little bit, as I've said already. and uh, He will probably – entertained some questions about Mike Leach since he tweeted out, I think it was on Sunday saying that, you know, while Arkansas is an option for Leach, I'm paraphrasing here that, that Florida state is probably the job he covets. Um, I'm not sure what Florida state's, you know, how, how they view Mike Leach though. So uh, any other names, let's talk the Clemson coordinators, anything on them, Josh? No, nothing yet. Nothing right. right now. All right. Are those, so I think those are all the names for right now. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong before we can move on. All right, cool. All right, all right. Let's talk about like a few other things that we have not really gotten into. I want to end our segment here before we get to Andy uh, on Odell Hagens and what you reported, Josh. But real quick, a uh, few things from since we haven't done a podcast since last week. Uh, FSU goes ahead, beats Boston College, likely going to be bowl eligible. Uh, give the team a ton of credit for for being gritty, coming down from coming back from a fourteen to three lead. This will lead into the Odell Hagens conversation because this team clearly plays hard for him. Uh, the dynamic that I want to talk about real quick, Chris, what are your thoughts on Jordan Travis for Heisman? You, you, you got your vote? Uh, I mean, if he keeps averaging like 45 yards per run, sure. <laughs> that was the craziest thing. And, and I really don't know how to feel about that. It hurts my head. Uh, all the intel we had received was that he wasn't really, um, wasn't really the, he wasn't the sharpest practice player. Like he, he just wasn't someone who was emerging and separating himself. Now I think we believe that Kendall Bryles would have liked to put in uh, some packages for Jordan Travis to get him in the game, maybe a couple weeks earlier, given the the lack of running back depth that Florida state has and, and the struggles with the other quarterbacks. Uh, let's pump the brakes. Like Jordan Travis still has not attempted a pass in a game, but man, that was something. Uh, what did you, I, the, Chris, when when he broke off that first carry and showed that the one that that quick step uh, and cut go motion and then just the acceleration after he uh, he planted his foot to uh, to score, uh, the press box started laughing. Just how comical it was. This guy's not playing all season. <laughs> then Willie Taggart's let go, and and of course like quarterback's been a talking point. And, and was this the plan? I don't know. What were your thoughts when when you were watching on TV? One, I was like, man, this offense with a guy who is capable of being that kind of athlete, it really can be good, was my first thought. And I've had that thought before with Cam Akers doing some of it. 
Um, and my second thought was, hmm, like it made, it made hmm. me wonder if everything we heard about, I mean, we saw him really struggle against the wind in the spring. We were told throughout the spring, he struggled that the spring game was kind of the anomaly of the spring. He wasn't like that throughout. He wasn't mentioned in the competition leading up to the regular season. He was kind of an afterthought and all that. And the quarterback position is one they've been searching for, for answers for over a month leading up to the BC game. And he wasn't really in the discussion, but it just strikes you as weird that suddenly he comes in and can do some things. You would think maybe is that a guy they could have packaged up earlier to at Seems least that a way. chance, maybe give some confidence. Sometimes dudes are just gamers too. Is he a gamer? But I, you know, I think we're getting way ahead of ourselves with him. Let's see if he can throw it. Let's see if he could sustain an entire drive, all of those kind of things before we completely jump into the, why the hell hasn't this guy been used? But I mean, the way I already, I already, I already plays, jumped into there. You did. You did. You like jumping in. You're a fan of jumping in. I'm a professional and respected journalist, regardless of what is said on the message board or this podcast. I'm your jester. Whatever. Real quick, speaking of jesters, <laughs> the Deion Sanders stuff, I was so happy I was traveling that day last week that I didn't have to talk about it. We don't need to spend any more than a second on this. Deion Sanders was never a coaching candidate for Florida State. Uh, for the NFL Network, I had that shame on you guys for for propping that up. It makes Florida State look bad. Would have really liked for Deion Sanders to come out and, and get ahead of that. But but you know, if you want to know what Deion Sanders' coaching resume looks like, just Google Prime Prep Academy. Uh, the the Dallas News has a very interesting article on that. Uh, you see the way that program or that uh, that that academy was run. Uh, it's described as infamous. So. No, he was never going to be a candidate for Florida State as a head coach. All right, finally, uh, Odell Hagens. Let's talk about Odell. Josh, uh, you put out a report saying that Odell Hagens would have interest in the head coaching job. This is interesting because a year and a half ago, uh, he said, no, not interested, not for me. Uh, Circumstances, times, they've they've changed. Yeah, and this is something that I was tipped off to on Friday. So before the game – I spoke to somebody that had talked to Odell over the phone that week and they came to me and said, Hey Josh, Odell, Odell wants this job. Um, he feels like this is his window, um, age wise where he can still physically do it. He said that he's learned a lot from the 2017 stint to this one in terms of leadership and how to, how to run a program and how to get guys to kind of run through a wall for you. And we're seeing that now. And I think it feels good to Odell that he sees the way that players and not only players, but the coaching staff also reacts to him is what I was, I've been told. And they all work really good together. So I kept digging and Odell Hagens has told this to a lot of people. He told it to a lot of people and it's worth noting. I mean, his, I, I think the chances of Odell Hagens landing the Florida state head coaching job right now are less than 5%. But the fact that his attitude towards the job has changed and that he actively wants it where before he was shutting it down as soon as he was named interim is notable. And if this thing continues to drag and if it gets to a weird place where Odell is in a situation to be offered the job, we do know this year that he wants it, unlike last year. And and the players clearly want him based on how they responded uh, via the mm-hmm. social media yesterday, too. Uh, Chris, I want to get your thoughts because I know you wrote a really you wrote a really great story on Odell. This was back in 2017 before FSU hired Willie and the the good shepherd, Odell. How cool is it like to have a guy like this that just represents the university in times of peril or times of just things not going well this well? He 
it's so cool. Like, and you, when you listen to him speak, you can feel the passion. He got choked up with Marvin Wilson. I'm not going to lie. Like I almost got choked up. It was cool to see. I don't have a, you know, I'm not super close to Odell Higgins, uh, but it was just really neat to, to see that dynamic. And I know you feel very similarly, Chris. Well, in a profession filled with nothing but greedy bullshit artists, it's very nice to have a legitimate human being in it. And that's what Odell Higgins is. I mean, he, Odell is who he is. He's a man who's based on family. He's based on faith. He's based on love for the university that he played for that helped him become the man he is. Love for the university that he's called home for the last three decades. That's his profession. And he legitimately cares about his players. And you know what? I think he legitimately cares about the guys he's in the building with, too. And that that goes a long way. I think people feel that. There's a sense of unity when that is felt. Now, the whole problem with the idea of hiring Odell Higgins is two things. One, you may have to fire him one day, which I don't think anybody wants to imagine having to fire or move on from Odell Higgins, but that's just a profession and how it works. You hire people to fire him eventually, usually. And the second thing is what makes him great and what makes him, you know, the go-to in moments like this in 2017 for FSU. I don't know if that's all sustainable over the long term. And that's not a shot in any way. What it is is great, and it's fantastic in the short term, and it's a necessity when you're dealing with football teams that have kind of been ravaged and torn apart emotionally to have a guy who's able to bring it all back to the center, calm it down, and make it work. But that that's a short-term thing. I don't know if that works over a 52-week year and the preparation for a season into the season throughout the season. I don't know if that works. Um, I'm not here officially endorsing Odell Higgins as a head coach. I think it's an interesting topic. I think it's way down the road of the possibilities of happening in this coaching search, but I don't blame him, dude. Good for him that he's, you know, not completely hiding behind just doing this for doing it, that he does have an interest in being a head coach. He's reached that point in his career where he wants to aspire to be that and good for him. But you know what? I'm pretty confident in saying this, knowing Odell Higgins as I do. Anything that Florida State, the university, asks of Odell Higgins, Odell Higgins is going to do. And he's going to do it with a smile on his face and to the best of his ability. And FSU is going to be better for having him on their sideline. And one point, Chris, that you mentioned early on there was that he's not a bullshit artist. I mean, it's true. He's he's as genuine as they come in a profession, though, where especially the head coach like has to kind of bullshit sometimes. Like. <laughs> that would be a hell of a thing to see him have to. And that's one of the things, my reservations in addition to what you mentioned, Chris is like, Oh, not easy to be a super genuine, honest, trusting, caring person in this profession all the time, especially at the head of a multi-million dollar organization, essentially. Uh, sometimes you have to hurt some feelings and, and sometimes you have to not be totally truthful. I don't know how comfortable he is swimming in those waters. Uh, it would be a hell of a thing though. If uh, if this coaching search isn't wrapped up going into, uh, you know, it, after Thanksgiving, if it's still still going on and and Florida State all of a sudden comes out and, and hangs with Florida or even more so beats Florida like then, then the support we're seeing from you know, some of our readership and listenership and uh, and and the players, it becomes, I think, really, really interesting at that point. But that's I'm getting ahead of ahead of myself, which Chris said you I like to do. Never. Jump Don't undermine my credibility. <laughs> uh, so we have guys. I think I'm done here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wait, 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 wait. I just got a tip. I got a tip. Yep. This is okay. So the FSU administration is expecting Bob Stoops to arrive in town. So I need you guys from 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. to be at the Greyhound station 
on Monroe on Tennessee Street. Okay, it's going to be sometime between then. He's going to arrive on a Greyhound. I was just told. Josh, if I could come through this Skype right now and beat the ever loving you know what out of you, I would. Josh, you can go. (laughs) That's all. Go. All right, (laughs) Chris. Thanks for joining us. Uh, the plan is to have Andy Staples come in. Well, we're going to record this in a few minutes. You're not gonna, never going to know that there's a uh, a difference, though. Uh, we're going to have the magic quick- of radio. It is editing. I'm such a great editor, too. <laughs> we'll we'll be right back with Andy Staples to talk about uh, the coaching search and whatnot. All right, and as promised, joining us now, not to be confused with Jason Staples, uh, this is Andy Staples of the Athletic. Andy, thank you for joining Josh and myself on the bench. We appreciate it. How's it going? Good. Yes. No relation. Even though Staples is a very uncommon name, but no relation there. No, there's two staples kind of within the the footprint of the FSU market. And, uh, and yeah, I just want to make sure that everyone knows we have Andy Staples on no relation. Yeah. It it was one of those when when I, when I saw him writing about FSU football, I was like, wait a second, are we cousins? I got to find out. Turns out we're not. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's good that you got the genealogy all figured out. And that's why you're uh, the reporter you are. You you uh, know how to sift through that kind of stuff. So it's good that you don't have a uh, a long lost cousin, too, I suppose. So, so man, before we get into the nitty gritty of all this fun coaching stuff right now, uh, you are one of my favorite follows on Twitter for the college football ranks because uh, you put up food porn all the time. Uh, and, and I appreciate it as my, my inner fat kid really likes it. So I want to get your thoughts. Tallahassee, when you do venture – Venture here. Um, what are your go-to go-to spots for uh, for our podcast listeners? Since we don't have any sponsorship, you can say whatever you want. Yeah, that that makes me very happy. Sometimes I'll be on a radio show and they'll ask me something, and I'll say the rival of their advertiser, and that never goes well. So, eh. all right, glad glad to know I'm unfettered here. So, I I love birds aphrodisiac oyster shack. Oh, yeah, yes. Not necessarily for the or I'm not a huge oyster guy. But I do like the, the ones where, you know, they, they do them with the, the bacon and the Parmesan cheese. I do like those. But I'm not a raw oyster guy. So, But there, I, it's for the burger. The burger is unbelievable there. It's so I put a picture of a bird's burger out on Twitter about two weeks ago. And you can always tell how people react because sometimes they'll react with a couple sentences or they'll say, wow, that looks pretty good. It was just like guttural the typed version of guttural noises like, oh, oh, oh my God, good Lord. So that, that tells you exactly what you, they, they're, if you add an extra patty at birds, you are eating like a king. Oh, so you do, a du- say, you do a double patty, Andy? You do two, two patties? Oh, with yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, you have your inner fat kid. I, I had my outer fat kid and <laughs> he wants two burgers. Have so, you done their onion rings when you're there? I, I am not a big onion ring person. Uh, I don't like onions, and so when you fry them, I like I'll heat the batter off of them, but I still don't want the <laughs> onion inside. So, um, so they're, they're sort of wasted on me. But but I do, you know. And the, again, like if you, if you want to get the oysters with the with a little going on in there, and again, I reckon the bacon, Parmesan cheese, a little hot sauce, then go for that. Even if you're not a raw oyster person, I, you're, you're probably going to like that too. Uh, and then if you want to go a little bit more upscale, it's not, not upscale in price, just upscale in uh, less things written on the wall. Uh, I like Madison Social. I mean, it, they got a good the, the burger with the fried avocado on. It's really good. I love the the skillet cookie dessert. So I mean, it's 
I know it's a little bit bougie, but it's a nice place to sit down. They got a bunch of TVs, good beer selection. No problem there. And and they are a, a sponsor of uh, of the Nolcast, so so there's going to be some some Ben diagram overlapping there. But I'm sure they're happy to, to have that. No, yes, it, it's yes, well, I, yes, Ben and I had that conversation. That's right. They, they are. So they are. Well, well sorry, sorry, I helped the competition out. That's fine. No, we're we're cool with with Bud, and and it is a good product there. And they actually there's a lot of cool stuff right in that college town area. Um, I feel like I need to address this real quick. Josh is here. He's munching on a sandwich. Speaking of food, hi, Josh. I normally would not eat while a guest is on the show, but this was totally appropriate considering we're having Andy. Yeah, it's me. And I want to let you know that I just picked up a sandwich. I'm in St. Pete. There's a great shop Mm -hmm. when you're down here. It's called Brooklyn South. The owner's from Brooklyn. Make some great sandwiches, little hole in the wall. So I'll take care of you next time you're in town. Beautiful. I am in. I need I need as much Pinellas County knowledge as I can get. I'm I'm pretty good in Hillsborough, but not so great in Pinellas. I can take care of you. We can go on a food tour one day. Don't, hey, don't step on my toes with the food suggestions, Josh. That's my deal. And I'm allowing Andy to do it as a guest. Don't don't cross me. All right. Well, Andy also knows a little bit about this coaching thing, Brendan. Yeah, well, let's get into that. that. Let's get into that. Well, so uh, the first thing, and obviously we've we've uh, the magic of editing have talked a lot about the latest with Bob Stoops and, and Florida State and whatnot. Um, what I want to get into first with you, Andy, is you've published previously and done a lot of research on uh, coaching searches and, and more specifically to this topic, uh, search firms, you know, search firms for coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida State has hired one. It's DHR. Uh, they're using that to help them w- for a few different reasons. So I want to get your thoughts, man, on on why do schools hire search firms and what exactly is their role? What does that entail when, when you hear a hiring of a search firm? Uh, my understanding is it's a little bit more involved than, hey, we're just going to help you find the next coach. There's a lot of reasons why one does this, correct? Well, well right. And I actually think because of Florida State's somewhat unique situation, they may be asking a little more of, of this search firm than – say most schools would on a football search. So schools do hire search firms for most things. I mean, every once in a while you'll get a situation where they don't, where an AD will go it alone. But for the most part, they hire search firms for football and men's basketball searches, not to give them a list of candidates. They already have a list of candidates. The AD, you know, all ADs will say, well, I got a list in my drawer. It's not really in the drawer, but it is somewhere in his head or her head. And when the opening comes up, either because they fired somebody or somebody left, they, they have a list of people they want to go after. Now you, you would still probably hire a search firm in that situation for a couple reasons. The search firm gives you cover. You know, you hire a search firm so that when someone asks you, have you contacted such and such coach or such and such coach's agent, you can say, no, I have not. And you're not lying because the search firm has. (laughs) And, Yeah, exactly. And it helps because search firms do background checks. They're, they're there for vetting purposes. And you know, there's some stuff where you don't want to be surprised. Like the Georgia Leary Notre Dame thing. He lied on his resume. You know, if, if someone had caught that before the hiring, my guess is he still would have been hired. Like they would have said, hey, George, what's up with this? And he's like, oh, I just had that on there. I'll get rid of that. And they probably would have hired him and nothing, and then nothing bad would have happened to him afterwards. But they, they are there to avoid surprises like, oh, this guy had 
an arrest in his past that we didn't know about, or, you know, some sort of domestic violence incident in his past that we didn't know about something that would cause you to, to reconsider hiring him in the first place. You don't want that to happen after you've already signed a contract. You want that to happen before you even interview the guy. So that's what search firms are supposed to do. It doesn't always end up being what they do, but that's what they're supposed to do. And if you're going a little further down the totem pole in sports, like let's say you're hiring a volleyball coach, you may hire a search firm because they may have a little more expertise than you in who the best volleyball coaches are because that's their job to study that sort of thing. In football and men's basketball, for the most part, if you are a sitting AD, it is your job to know who the right people are for that. Now, the interesting thing about Florida State is David Coburn is has been the AD, but he obviously did not grow up dreaming of becoming an AD, did not spend most of his pre- professional life in college athletics. Um, you know, he, he worked in the legislature for most of that time. He became the chief of staff for John Thrasher, basically as a favor, served as the interim athletic director, and then stayed on when they couldn't find anybody who wanted the job after Stan Wilcox left. So he's not in the same position as, say, you know, Scott Strickland at Florida was when they fired Jim McElwain. Scott Strickland had been the AD at Mississippi State for years, and then he became the AD at Florida. He had a list in his head. He knew, I'm going to talk to Scott Broth and Chip Kelly, and I don't want to do this to my own mind, but if I have to, I'm going to talk to Dan Mullen. That, that was how that worked. And I don't know that Florida State is, is necessarily in that position where they understand the market, the, the, the decision makers understand the market as well as, as some of the folks who've been in it for years and years. So you may want that search firm to maybe present you with some names that, that maybe you haven't thought of before. So that's where Dunsi Ugiyama and DHR may find themselves in a bit of an unusual position for a search of this, you know, kind of profile, because typically this high profile job, the AD has a list of like five or six people that they, they want to zero in on immediately. Have you, Andy, ever seen or covered a coaching search quite like this with, with that dynamic with the athletic director, having very little experience as an athletic director, uh, to this magnitude, we were talking about them in the buyout they just had with Willie Taggart, the, the yeah. crossroads Florida State is in, obviously a big program. Uh, this You said unique. I guess how unique is it But with your you, experience you, covering college football? You've seen a, you've seen a couple of them. Uh, like Ole Miss, when they fired Houston, that they also fired Pete Boone, the AD. So they had no athletic director, and they had to hire a football coach first. And they wound up hiring Hugh Freeze. And now the group that hired Hugh Freeze, they formed a committee. It had Archie Manning. It had a bunch of other people who had been around college athletics a lot. And so it's a group that probably came with a bunch of names. And Hugh Freeze, who had been coaching at Arkansas State at the time, who had been an assistant at Ole Miss, was very well known to them. So it wasn't like they were really reaching deep into the bag of obscure names to find somebody. They they probably had their eyes on him before they fired Houston Nutt. So uh, that one – but that one – sticks out because they fired the AD at the same time. And, you know, this isn't the case where Florida State doesn't have an AD. They do have an AD. It's just the AD's not that, not that experienced. And look, you know, everybody keeps saying, well, Coburn, you know, doesn't know what he's doing. I, everything I've seen from him and, and talking to him at the, at the ACC meetings in Amelia Island, he seems very, very up on what's going on. He seems very aware of what's going on. And I, you know, I, I, just because you haven't worked in an environment doesn't mean you don't know anything about it. You right, know, he's he he's very smart. 
Very smart man. Very right. analytical. Right. Right. And you can figure out who the coaches are that might work for you. Now you are, you're going to want to drill deeper on all of them. And one thing, you know, he, I think he, he made a mistake when he threw out a timeline for this thing, because fans go nuts during this stuff. They just want information. The problem is there's not going to be any information usually for a long time because they fired Willie Taggart. What was the, the date of the day after the, it was November, November 3rd. November 3rd or 4th. Yeah, 3rd or 4th. Yeah, yeah. so they fired Willie Taggart November 3rd. The earliest they could hire a sitting head coach would be the day after Thanksgiving, and that's if they hire somebody who plays on Thursday. That's if they hire somebody who has a game on Thanksgiving. So that would be Matt Luke, Joe Moorhead, and not hiring them. So that's out. <laughs> So now the earliest is that Saturday, and that's if somebody plays on Friday. I don't think they're hiring Kirk Ferentz or uh, or Scott Frost. So, but so that's what I keep trying to explain to people. If it's not somebody who doesn't have a job right now, like Bob Stoops, and I don't think Bob Stoops is is going to be Florida State's coach. But if it's not that person, it's somebody who is currently working. So the days you're looking at hiring somebody would be Sunday, December first which is the day after the regular season ends for most people. So if it's like Mark Stoops, we're not playing the SEC championship game. So that would be the day that they would hire him. Or December 8th, if it's a coach who's playing a championship game. So if it's, say, Jay Nor- uh, sorry, Ron Norvell, not, not Nevada, Mike Norvell from Memphis, or say the, the person I think they should hire, Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator at Clemson, well, they're going to be playing a championship game. So – the earliest you could hire them is the day after the championship game. So that would be December 8th. So, you know, and that, that's the thing. If you, if you just understand how these things normally work, you can get the timing of it. Now, news will begin leaking out about what candidates they are, they are vetting and going after. You know, people's agents will leak that they're getting, that their guys getting vetted because they'll want to drum up some interest maybe where they are to see if they can get them a raise mm. to keep them. Or maybe they, they feel like they're in the number two or number three position in the Florida State search and want to try to drum up some, some public outcry for them to be hired. You know, that, that's the sort of thing. So you will, there will be some kind of leaks, you know, that probably the week of the Florida game. But for the most part, there will be a large information vacuum between the firing and that week. And it drives everyone insane. Uh, I got a question for you, Andy. One All of right. the uh, one of the more interesting dynamics that I've noticed during this whole coaching search and surrounding Bob Stoops is the disconnect between people locally that I that I know and talk to and people nationally. And everybody you talk to locally thinks this thing with Bob Stoops is just a matter of time and it's going to happen. Yet, contrastingly, I talk to people outside of the Tallahassee network or outside of my FSU circles. And I can hardly get anybody to concede that Bob Stoops is, is going to take this job. What's going on here? He would have already taken it. What was stopping well, Why the disconnect, do you think? Well, people who've dealt with Bob Stoops know that he hates the recruiting in the Southeast. He's never wanted to recruit in an SEC-type school. And if you're at Florida State, your main recruiting rivals are Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, and Clemson. So that's an SEC recruiting school. So he hates that. So 
Why would he want to do that? And I don't know that he wants to coach again as, as a college coach. Now he's gonna he's got this XFL job where you go coach some football for four months, but you're not recruiting anybody. And when you're done, you're done. So the thought was, if he if he was going to come back for a job, it was going to be like Notre Dame. And a lot of that has to do with the, with what Notre Dame is and the type of players they recruit and that sort of thing. Um, but I don't even know if he'd want to do that because I don't know that he wants to recruit anymore. And so you'd have to talk him back into that. And then for Florida State, you have to talk him into recruiting in a place he has said he never wants to recruit. So that part doesn't make sense. The XFL people don't think they're losing him. So yeah, that that's why you're not getting anyone nationally going, oh, yeah, he, he's, he's a viable one. Because yeah, I was listening to your last podcast, and you're talking about, you know, he doesn't get to choose whether he's a candidate. Oh, yes, he does. By saying, no, thanks. Now, oh, yeah. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't believe he said that yet based on. <laughs> no, and no, you never, you never should, and you never should say no thanks. Exactly. If someone might offer you billions of dollars to do anything, don't say no thanks right away. Yeah, but the, <laughs> but the candidacy is a perspective thing because even if his own mind that Bob Stoops hasn't is not going to take the job, if FSU is still actively pursuing him and offering him boatloads of money, he's at least a candidate to to the FSU side. Well, yeah, but they getting, need to be realistic about whether they they can get him or not. And at some point, the right. good thing for them is they don't have to have a decision made, like. In about a week and a half, they need to be zeroing in on a person. Yeah, and this is going to lead me to my next question to you, and I agree with that. I, I don't think there's this need to cut things off, and I and I also don't believe that you but, can. Well, but let me, let me tell you this, though. If Bob Stoops expressed one scintilla of actual interest in the job, you throw everything you have at him, and he can say yes at any point. So you just say yes, and, and, and you announce it. Now, there's a job open right now where I thought it would be done, and it's not done yet. And that's Rutgers. When, when it became clear that we were going to go after Shiano, I was like, okay, let's do, go get it done. But it seems like he's not entirely sure whether he's ready to do it or not. Cause you know, he, he had the Patriots DC job and then he left that job for personal reasons. So maybe he doesn't know if he wants to, to get back into it, but that's another one where you thought, okay, this makes perfect sense. So what's, what's the holdup? Well, yeah, I saw he was probably like meeting with the governor. Whether he wants to do it, he's yeah. meeting with the governor yeah. in New Jersey to to finalize the job. I mean, there's yeah, this stuff's crazy. Yeah. Hiring these college coaches, yeah. man. But but the the Stoops thing, you know, it it can be done to, tomorrow. And if and, and the thing about the candidate list, the Florida State's candidate list is such that if Bob Stoops calls you and says, "I'm in," you just schedule a press conference. Mm-hmm. You sign an MOU now, and that, that's one thing. So back when Florida was hiring its last coach. I had some Florida fans trying to educate me on what was going on. And they did not realize people who were actually involved were telling me what was going on. And mm-hmm. I was trying to explain that to them, but it didn't match with what they wanted to hear. So this is when Florida's already taught, I believe Florida had already talked to Scott Frost at this point, because Frost, Frost and you see usually you don't talk to anybody after their season's over, but Frost, and UCF, I guess, probably had some arrangement where they said, you know, go, go get this done. And so Frost talked to Florida and had the, the deal done with Nebraska even before they played, uh, I think before they played 
USF that year. And so, and it may be the Florida said, Hey, listen, we need to talk to you before we try to talk to Chip Kelly because you're our first choice or whatever. But so Florida talked to Frost. They go see Chip Kelly, who doesn't have a job. So this is, this is the week before the season ends. This is the week of we get the Florida Four State game, actually. And they went up there, they brought the president, they brought the you know, whole athletic department. It was a big plane load of people. Of course they offered him the job. Mm-hmm. No, people will tell you now they didn't offer him the job. Of course they did. So immediately after that, UCLA fires you more. And I write that Chip Kelly is deciding between Florida and UCLA. And the Florida fans go nuts. They're like, Chip Kelly has already agreed to a contract with Florida. They're just waiting to announce it. Right. I'm like, okay, when are they wait? When are they waiting till? Well, Thursday or Friday would be the the best day for a press conference. So that's that's when they're waiting for. I'm like, nope, that is not what's happening. And I know that's not what's happening because someone involved in it. And actually, nobody from Florida gave me any information during that. So Strickland kept it pretty tight there. Um, because it was funny because the Florida people were saying, you're just a tool of the, the athletic department administration. They're, you're just telling, telling us what they're telling you to tell us. I'm like, no, they're not actually telling me anything. <laughs> but some sources I had who were very familiar with Chip Kelly's thinking were telling me, Chip doesn't know if he wants to recruit down there. He might feel like UCLA is a better fit for him personally, which made perfect sense if you've ever dealt with Chip Kelly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, guys, He's trying to decide what to do and they would not hear it. And I, and I finally, so at one point I get, this is not how this works. <laughs> if he takes the job, they will announce it within four seconds. Exactly. Of him signing a memorandum of understanding. Yes. So yes. If, if he has already signed this document that you say he has signed, they will announce it, but they did not. And then I think it was Thursday that week that he took the UCLA job, but I mean, that, that's people, people will try to retrofit. The groomers were the best. The tenant when you know, the John Gruden, tenant right. groomers. Miami. Had too. Oh yeah. So I had somebody call me a Tennessee fan. This is not someone who was, you know, really well sourced or anything. So it, but they, they, they call said, So I heard that John Gruden is in a private plane flying over Knoxville and waiting for the signal to come down inside. Like, what if they run out of gas? No. And the person's like, they got, they'll refuel oh. the air. Yeah, putting a tanker plane. If you pay attention to how these things actually work, it's much easier to figure out the timing of all that. The Stoops thing's a wild card because he doesn't have a job. So at any point during the next week or so, he could, if, if, he, if he decided, hey, I want to coach Florida State, then he would just say, hey, guys, I'm ready. And they'd do it because there's nobody that they would be considering that they'd take over Bob Stoops. So if he called them and said, let's do this, that's what would happen. I right. just don't and think it's also no happen. harm, no foul to the others because all the other options are currently employed by another university. So that Correct. would never even you know, come to the surface officially. Yeah, and, um, and, and the we, thing about the timing, I don't, I, I don't know. They may need to talk to a couple people. So it may be that they gotta they gotta do some boom boom interview like go to Atlanta, get in a hotel suite, and have like three three folks come in on that that Sunday after the season or that Saturday or whenever that is, 
Um, because I don't, I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't feel like in the non-Bob Stoops division, there's a very clear front runner. No, there isn't. Um, I wanted to talk to you about that. Uh, one of the names that you mentioned um, has a good bit of steam behind it from the FSU fan base, led, other, led by none other than Trey Rowland. Um, Mike Leach, you put out a tweet about Mike Leach, and I know you've done some work with him and know him personally and all that, so my ears perked up when you mentioned it. You didn't call him a candidate for the job, but you did say that Mike Leach would be a guy that has interest in the job if FSU turned oh, in yeah. that direction. What do you think? About I do that? think he, he'd be interested. I think he'd be very interested. I think if they said, Hey, Mike Leach, we'd like you to coach here. He'd do it. <laughs> but I don't know that they're going to say that. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to say that, that a lot with Mike Leach. <laughs> what would Florida state, what would Florida state look like with a Mike Leach led head coach? And do you think he did enough this season to warrant his name for a job like Florida state? Not this season. Every season, yes. I mean, if you expect somebody to win 10 games every year at Washington State, you're asking a little too much. But what, he, what he's done at Washington State and Texas Tech is pretty phenomenal. But the, the questions with Mike Leach at a program like Florida State is, okay, he's won in places where they're not expected to win. Mm-hmm. And, and won decent amounts. But he's never won championships. And at Florida State, you are expected to win championships. Now, you can say... Well, how are you supposed to win championships at Texas Tech and Washington State? Give him Florida State players and he'll win championships. And I think there's something to that. I think, I think he probably could win anywhere. But it is, it is a great unknown and it is something that, that needs to be considered. And then there's the other piece of it is, like what the stuff he said last week where he's talking about the leadership on the team. That would never fly at a program where you recruit four- and five-star athletes. Like Nick Saban has a reputation of being a, a giant hard-ass. You've never heard Nick Saban say anything like that, and you never mm-hmm. will because of the population he recruits. So right. it, it's, it's just he would have to change himself a little bit fundamentally to fit in at a place like that. He, he's a smart guy. I'm sure he could, I'm sure he could figure it out, but that is, that's one of the questions that, that you ask. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the sort of thing you just need to know about. And sifting through a couple of other candidates, I would be all in for covering the uh, the Mad Pirate, by the way, because that would be be fun. But uh, Andy, you've mentioned a couple other guys. Uh, I think it was an article about a week or so ago, and you mentioned him here already. Tony Elliott, Clemson's co-offensive coordinator. Uh, but your thoughts on on Tony, on Jeff Scott, the other co-offensive coordinator, who obviously yep. has some connections to Tallahassee, and then even Brett Venables. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about the the Clemson trio, if you will, and. Uh, maybe why you you think that Florida State would be well advised to look at maybe someone that that in theory doesn't have head coaching experience. Some are going to look at that as being a riskier play, but not in your estimation, correct? It's probably not that risky. I mean, so eleven coaches have have led their team to the college football playoffs since the playoffs started in 2014. Six of them did not have head coaching experience when they were hired to those jobs, and I mean that that includes our friend Bob Stoops that we've been talking about. Uh, Bob Stoops was a defensive coordinator when he was hired at Oklahoma, but Dabo, you know, and then you look, if you look at the, the rankings now, Ed Orgeron was, now he'd been a head coach before, but he, he failed miserably. He was hired from the interim. He was a defensive line coach at LSU. Dabo was the wide receivers coach at Clemson. Uh, Mario Cristobal, who had head coaching experience before, but he'd been fired at FIU. He was the co-offensive coordinator at Oregon when he got the job. So 
you know, you look at the, the history of the playoff and the top of the standings right now, there's no reason not to consider hiring a very good coordinator. Clemson has got three guys that all fit that bill. Um, I think Tony, because he's the, the offensive play caller, I think it is, is really, I think what puts him to the top of the pile in my mind, but I think Jeff would be good too. I think Brent would be good. Uh, Jeff, because of the ties, but also because uh, Jeff helped build Clemson's recruiting operation. Uh, for those who don't know, Jeff was a GA at Clemson when Tommy Bowden got fired and Dabo got the interim job. Dabo picked Jeff to replace him as receivers coach on that day. And, you know, Jeff was, was nervous as hell. He wasn't, didn't, had no idea what was going to happen, but Dabo saw a lot of himself in Jeff. And so Jeff has done a lot of the things that Dabo was doing. And now I, I think the play calling thing with Elliot matters. I think that experience matters, but if we want to look at it, you know, Dabo had never been a play caller when he got the job. If, if you, you know, Ed Orgeron had never been a defensive play caller. So if you, if you know how to put the right people around you, that part doesn't matter. But with Tony Elliott, I feel like he can put the right people around him and he also can call the plays if he wants to, you know, he may decide that that's not for him when he becomes a head coach and whether it's for state or not, he will become a head coach. Um, but I just, I feel like those guys all have played have worked in a championship environment. They know exactly what type of players they're looking for in recruiting because let's be honest, Florida State wants to sign the same players Clemson wants to sign. So you take that, let's say you hire one of those guys, they're probably bringing some other assistants from Clemson with them in better roles than they currently have at Clemson. That's going to hurt Clemson too. So that serves the dual purpose of making you better and hurting your biggest stumbling block in your division. All right, and and I'm and I've heard really interesting things about all three of the guys. Uh, Tony Elliott, though, seems to be the one who's like the most polished and ready to be uh, to be a head coach. And, and that seems like you're kind of of the same opinion. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, yeah. but it does sound like you really are high oh, yeah. Tony. I think I think he's going to be great. I, I think he and Jeff are going to be great head coaches. It's just a matter of who decides to hire them. And this will be the last question for you. We'll let you get out of here. Uh, but as we're talking about the the potential you know, uh, assistant coach to head coach type of type of role, uh, we reported yesterday that Odell Hagens does have interest in the in the Florida State head coaching job. Obviously, we know what he's done as an interim coach. We talked about that on the podcast before having you on, Andy. And obviously, there's not you know it. Well, I want to get your thoughts on how Odell would do and what you know about him and, and what's well, interesting I, I to you wouldn't, about that. I wouldn't laugh this off. I, I've been thinking about this a lot since yesterday, since the players announced their support. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't laugh this off at all because let's say you don't really connect with any candidates that you, that you really like. Is there really harm in making Odell that guy and let's say he keeps Kendall Bryles. Let's say he makes Jim Levin his DC. You get some continuity there. I mean, think of how many people laughed when Ed Orgeron was made LSU's head coach. Mm-hmm. Are, are any of them laughing now? No, no, no one is. Ed, Ed's laughing at them. <laughs> you will never find, uh, and it was a perfect fit, uh, you know, Louisiana guy coaching at LSU. You know, his biggest 
biggest move right off the bat. Before, and he had to do this to get the job. He had to prove to them that Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator, would stay. And so he got Aranda on his side, and he, he could prove to them that, hey, Aranda's here. If you, if you keep me, he'll stay. And that was a big deal. And with Odell, I mean, look, you're never going to find someone who loves Florida State more than him. Nope. There's not a human being on earth who loves Florida State more than him. So at the very worst, you get Matt Luke at Ole Miss without NCAA sanctions holding him down. And you sign him to a contract. Here's the thing. You don't have to give that guy a big contract. So you sign him to a contract that allows you, if it doesn't work, to pull the ripcord pretty quickly. But then – by the time that happens, you have a new president in place. You probably have a new AD in place. The people who are probably going to be there going forward. So if they don't find a candidate that they feel like is the person, this is an avenue I would seriously consider. <laughs> I don't doubt it. But, um, Andy, we're, I think, counting like 10, 11 days into this coaching search. So, I don't think it's coming to an ending anytime soon. Uh, would you please pray for us if you're into that sort of thing? Oh, yeah, I will. I will. And, and look, you know, in Gainesville, because people get very emotional during these things. If somehow Florida State pulls off the upset in Gainesville, watch out for one of those Odell contract on the back of a napkin. Oh, deal. we're ready for it. We've already set the, mm-hmm. set the table for that. That's how Bill Stewart. That's how Bill Stewart got the West Virginia job at the <laughs> Fiesta Bowl. It was. Yeah, I don't think it was an actual napkin, but it was written in a hotel suite. Yes, very emotional. Um, I was. I, I, I laid this out, and I was yelled at by Chris Knee on the other side of the podcast. He yelled at me for for playing hypotheticals, which is par for the course. Good, Listen, good to know I'm in good company. Well, here, here's the thing: you guys are going to get begged for information. And the hardest thing to say in this day and age is I don't know. But yes, the fact of the matter right. is, there's a lot of pressure to report. We don't, we don't know. If there's actual information to report, you're going to report it. But you're not going to just throw stuff out there to be chum in the water. That's not responsible. And people remember when you're wrong. So you know, you, it's hard, but you have to tell people just sit tight. Mm-hmm. And when something comes up, we will let you know. And the problem is the timing of this is such that it's going to be a week and a half, two weeks before there's anything you can really tell them probably. Unless Rob Stoops just says, hey, let's do it. All right, Andy, tell the people where they can find your work and find you on Twitter. All right, theathletic.com. That is where I do my writing. Uh, The Andy Staples Show is my podcast, and Andy underscore Staples is my Twitter feed. There you go. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thanks, guys. All right, man. See ya. Andy Staples, not everybody. Not Jason Staples. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was fun. Uh, I'm going to go to Birds, and I'm hungry, and I want a cold PBR and some onion rings, and uh, and maybe they'll sponsor our, our podcast. How do you think fans are going to react to Andy Staples' interview? I mean, he was pretty adamant that Bob's not coming. He was, uh, you know, uh, we've seen before, like when we had David Hale on in the preseason to say that he thought Florida State was going to be closer to six and six and seven and five because he didn't think the offensive line was going to be markedly better as one of the the main things. They did not like what David said there, too. And uh, 
I got a text from David in the middle of the, the season. It was like, Oh, have they, have they forgiven me yet? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. They always well, forgive. That's what they do. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it is interesting, man, because as you asked them, uh, there is this huge disconnect between our sourcing locally, you know, around Florida state versus what national people are hearing. And it's just, it's such a stark uh, contrast between the two. That well, I wouldn't even it's call weird. it just national people. Like if you, if I, if I talk to people, in the coaching circles that are familiar with Bob or coached under Bob or played under Bob, like those, that's where the disconnect is. It's not even, I don't want to say national because I think people refer to national media and it's, and it's totally possible for the national media to be outside the loop on something local. But I was more so talking about like from a national perspective, not necessarily media, but yeah, it's, 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 um, you know, even if it's, it's part of the underlying storylines of this coaching search, like even if they do hire Bob Stoops, it's still interesting that nobody nationally thought this would happen. If even if they do hire, you know, it's, it's, that just, is, it's weird. Some people are gonna be taking some victory laps if, if he does end up getting hired at, at Florida state. Uh, and speaking of, of this weird disconnect, uh, you know, we're hearing yesterday from some that, Oh, the ink is dry or whatnot. It, Bob Stoops was while we're recording this podcast was photographed in, in Connecticut uh, with an XFL deal. Not to say you can't, you know, fly an airplane from, from Texas to, to Connecticut in a few hours. That's, you know, aviation for you. But if, if, if a contract was signed, it's just kind of validated. I think this on the XFL podcast. handle, I, I'm prepared for the troll. Like if, and when they move on from Bob or FSU announces a new head coach and it happens not to be Bob Stoops. Like I can just tell that this, this XFL Twitter account might have something to say about all these rumors. So, cause they, it subtly been putting out messages about Bob throughout the, you know, the course of this thing. So whew, a lot to pay attention to Brendan. All right. This is a lot. I want to go, I want to go get that burger, but I also want to stop recording the podcast because I feel like every second we go on just makes me more anxious that something's going to happen and this is going to be obsolete by the time I can actually get it up. So it's now, it's now Thursday afternoon. Uh, Josh, I will let you sign us off because you can stick the landing without screaming it out uh, and just ending the podcast abruptly. So uh, thanks, thanks for joining us. Yeah. We want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. For Chris Nee, Brendan Sinone, I'm Josh Newberg, and this is On The Bench. Stick in the landing. <laughs>